For over 40 years, Ermi has been an industry leader in educating and informing insurance and risk management professionals. This podcast explores current subjects in the insurance industry. Find out more about our podcast at ermi.com. Hi, I'm Joel Applebaum, Chief Content Officer for Ermi, and I'm happy to have as our podcast guest today, Cheryl Koch of the Agency Management Resource Group. In this podcast, you'll learn about the importance of the proper coverage for farm dwellings like mobile or manufactured homes. These homes have become a popular way to house ranch hands and farm workers. So please, everyone, welcome Cheryl. And Cheryl, thanks for being with us today. My pleasure. Great. Cheryl, let me start by saying thank you for being such a longtime APHIS instructor. You were one of the first ERMI AgriCon instructors and also one of our first podcast guests. So you're a real, you know, paving the way for the rest of the world. <laughs> and, you know, we're happy, you know, always, I'm always happy to spend time with you and I'm so glad you could join us again. So um, this, I think, is an important topic uh, to farming and it's, you know, the place where people call home. And specifically in this case, we want to talk about insuring manufactured homes and mobile home insurance. So welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Hey, the, the number of farmers and agricultural workers living in mobile homes is increasing. So we understand uh, there's these popular shows about tiny homes. And we have learned that in some counties, mobile homes outnumber apartments. And in some counties, mobile homes outnumber standard single family homes. So help us understand why manufactured houses have become popular and what are the pros and cons from an insurance perspective of mobile homes? Sure. Um, when I was asked to do the podcast, I uh, really began to scrutinize the area in which I live, which is a very rural agricultural Area. And I had never really thought about it, but just on the road on which I live, which is only about two miles long, uh, probably more than 50% of the homes are either mobile or manufactured. And we can talk about, you know, a little bit what the distinction is, but um, really very few site built homes, at least as far as the eye can see. Now, I'll tell you one of the interesting things about uh, modern manufactured homes is that once they're put in place, uh, it's very difficult to tell whether or not they were built on the site or not. Um, that's one of the uh, insurance issues I think we can uh, explore a little bit maybe later. But as to you know why this is happening or, or you know is it in fact increasing, I think the answers are a little obvious to most people. Uh, owning a home is still an American dream. And being able to afford a home in, you know, many, many, many places, even in rural areas, has become um, out of reach for a lot of people. So, you know, what are the the pros of manufactured housing, or what are the pros of of mobile homes? It's uh, significantly less expensive uh, to get in, and and again, sometimes when you're on the inside looking out, uh, if I just plopped you down in the middle of a manufactured home, you'd be hard pressed to tell me whether that was um, some built in a factory somewhere or whether it was built on that on that particular site. So, um, you know, things have certainly changed. The quality is quite a bit better. But 
in terms of speed, uh, speed of delivery, you know, you pick it out and you can have it quickly. If you site build a home, you're going to be looking at six months or a year. Uh, when we first moved out here to the rural area, um, I had visions of, you know, as soon as, you know, we got here, the day one, we would break ground and we would begin building my dream house. And my husband quickly disabused me of that notion by uh, reminding me that the farmer always builds the barn first. And in his case, the barn is uh, three pretty good sized commercial greenhouses because he actually does farm indoors. He's uh, He owns a, a nursery. So we uh, hauled in a 900 square foot mobile home and uh, put it on not a permanent foundation, but, you know, somewhat secured it. And we lived in that for two years, one year while he built the commercial structures and then another year while we uh, built our house. So for a lot of people, uh, that's that's how it starts. They they bring in the mobile home, maybe with an intention to build a permanent home later on. And that just doesn't happen for a variety of reasons. They're comfortable in it. It serves their purposes. Uh, they don't want to spend the significant amount of money that they would have to spend in order to build a home. And so that becomes the permanent farmhouse. That's That becomes the homestead. And there's no reason to do that. For other people, they will build their home and then they'll retain that mobile home. And they will, as you said, in a lot of cases, house workers in that. Uh, or they'll keep it as, you know, an, a, a pertinent structure to their to their farm dwelling that they build. So there are a lot of different reasons. Um, I'm glad you mentioned tiny homes because I think that has um, given a certain amount of legitimacy, if you will, to the whole mobile home and manufactured home situation. Um, one, one of the things I want everybody to understand is um, when we're talking, and it's a little bit potato, potato, mobile home, manufactured home, we can talk about, you know, how that difference, where that line is, but what they aren't is what I still hear people call them to this day, and that's trailers. They're not trailers. They're homes. You know, there, yeah. there's yeah. still a little bit of a stigma to the trailer and the trailer park. Right. And, you know, I, I just, uh, it's it's not semantics. It, it really has some... Um, meaning to it. So when we're talking about this for for many, many, many people in rural areas, that is their permanent dwelling. They yeah. they they have the ability to move. I guess that's a that's a pro. I could move it if I wanted to, but in reality, I don't have any data on this, but you know, just anecdotally I would say 98% of the time, once they're put in place, they never do get moved. They're capable of being moved, but about about the same as the site built house. You've seen some of those being moved too. It's about as um, difficult <laughs> as moving a modern manufactured home. Okay, yeah, you know it's interesting that you 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 say that, and I love the way you use that because you know when we we talk about insurance, you know if you just use the term trailer, you know that that could be misinterpreted, right? and not not insured the right way so you got to be very careful and, and let's talk a little bit about the difference between like a a mobile home and a manufactured home just help help me understand you know the the differences well uh, 
really what it boils down to is it's a it's a point in time, and that point in time now is a long time ago. Uh, in in 1976, there was kind of a dividing line that was that was built, and prior to that time, we would refer to the types of uh, structures we're talking about as mobile homes. And again, they were born with wheels. Okay? They were built on a chassis. Structure was built on top of the chassis. Uh, why was it mobile? Largely to get it to where it was going. Not necessarily to move it from place to place, but to initially get it where it was going. And often the very first thing that got done with a mobile home once it was put in place was to remove the wheels. Uh, and again, some people put them on a permanent foundation, some people did not, but you didn't leave it sitting on the wheels the whole time while you were living in it. So you were acknowledging the fact that while it was possible to be moved to another site, you really didn't have much of an intention to do that. Well, 1976, HUD basically took over um, the regulation of the mobile home industry. So prior to that time, prior to 1976, uh, all of those structures were subject to only state and local building codes and ordinances. And because of that, uh, we know, and we know after every disaster in our industry, that you've got a lot of variance, jurisdiction to jurisdiction to jurisdiction. So. The quality of the homes prior to that time, um, well, let's just say it, it wasn't that they were inferior necessarily. It's just that they, it was inconsistent. There was an inconsistent application of laws. So in 1976, in comes HUD, all of the regulation steps up to the federal level. Uh, everything state and local is preempted by the federal regulations. And, and really what it was, think about you know, what HUD does, you know, why they exist as a governmental agency is to make sure that people who are living in homes live in, you know, a safe environment, a relatively safe environment. Well, they increased the level of regulation. And some people would tell you today that manufactured housing, which is what it became known as after 1976, in some ways has stricter regulation than site-built homes, uh, depending on where they happen to be built. Yeah, that's right. Hmm, interesting. You know, I, I um, think it's so important for agents to be able to identify exposures, right, and in order to understand the coverages that are needed for the various risks. And, you know, I, I think, you know, just to be you know, it, it matters, I guess, what year it was built. We just learned oh, something there uh -huh. that there, there could be some inconsistencies or to rebuild it, it may need to meet new standards. And, and, I, and I think, you know, you know, farmers and ranchers, agricultural workers, it's, it's one of the top 10 most dangerous jobs in America. And, you know, uh -huh. just talking about, you know, different states and statutes and where it's built, I mean, depending on the, the state or the jurisdiction, if you're staying in one of these homes from a workers' comp perspective, you know, you, you could have you could have 24-hour coverage just depending on the, the circumstances of the loss. So I, I wanted to get to this, which is, you know, 
what are some of the common mobile home loss exposures? And, and I want to stay on the property side if we, we can, to consider when writing coverage for you know a manufactured or, or mobile home. Well, I guess the first and most obvious is the fact that if it is a manufactured home and it is not placed on a permanent foundation, uh, you, you have a wind exposure that you would not have typically with a with a site built home. Now that said, that exposure is heightened for the manufactured or mobile home. However, there are other exposures that uh, you know affect a site built home that don't impact manufactured homes. So there's there's a little bit of a trade off here. You know, I site build a home and I expose it to the elements for 12 months. I build a home in a factory and have it delivered and assembled in a day or two. And you know, I do that in good weather. There's a lot of there's a lot of good that comes of that. So there's a lot of lowering of certain types of exposures. But again, wind is is the typical one that is cited, um, especially for older. Uh, again, the pre seventy six or you know prior to the nineteen eighties, the traditional image of the mobile home, uh, where you would deliver it. It was it's on a chassis, remember, and you you park uh, where it's going to be um, staying probably for the rest of its life, and you remove the wheels, and then you put some kind of skirting around the bottom. And depending on you know really kind of two things: how you choose to affix the chassis to the, the site where it's going to be located, and then how you go about putting the skirting around this, you are either uh, making the wind exposure worse or you're making it better in many cases. So, um, you know, again, in severe winds, you can imagine that that, um, that mobile home can literally blow right off the chassis. And, and what, what the tradition was, you, you bring in the mobile home, you create some concrete tie downs for it, and you secure you secure the chassis via the tie down to the concrete. You secure the chassis, not the top part. <laughs> so that was that was probably um, a mistake early on. We didn't necessarily we weren't using really great loss control thinking about that. So of course the big wind comes, and what happens is that the top of the mobile home just relocates off the chassis, literally falls off the chassis. Um, they're, they're, they tend to have a kind of um, higher center of gravity than a site-built home, uh, so that's you know another kind of heightening of the of the wind exposure there. Uh, now, typically, you secure the entire structure with the tie-down. Uh, it literally goes around. It, it's not noticeable, but it literally goes around the entire structure there. Uh, the other thing about wind was when you live in a in a smaller space, um, just ask people with the tiny houses now, you live in a small space, you have very limited storage. You don't have uh, an attached garage, the things that people who live in site-built homes typically would enjoy. So you put up a lot of other structures. You put up sheds, you put up carports, you put up things around, and all of those also are subject to wind damage. And then one of the more common 
and losses to the manufactured home is that those other structures, which don't require being tied down, actually blow into the manufactured home because mm. of proximity and they and they damage it. Mm. Got it. Got it. Lots to be concerned about, definitely, and and we have had well, at least in the last year, the derechos that hit the Midwest. So, wind yep. is definitely we, a, can be an issue. We all learned a new vocabulary word, didn't we? <laughs> we sure did. Um, you know, so large farming operations and ranches require insurance coverage that's more commercial than personal in nature, and right, and 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 I think. Large farms are typically insured on a farm owner's or farm property policy, if I'm right. And when these farms have mobile homes on the property for living purposes, you know, are, are they insured differently depending on the form that's used? And kind of where I'm going is help help explain the high level differences from a personal lines homeowner coverage uh, that might be provided, you know, by AAIS or ISO versus, you know, the, the bigger commercial thing, you know, I, I, I think you need an endorsement, particularly for a personal lines coverage versus farm property. Maybe you can just help us understand the high levels of that. Yeah, you, you do. If, if this is a personal lines, purely personal lines exposure, and many of them are, um, then yes, you can take a homeowner's policy. Most carriers will let you do that. And you can modify it with mobile home endorsement. And again, why does the, why does the carrier want to make the distinction? Well, number one, because they do wish to underwrite the oil exposure differently because of the uh, way the home was manufactured and, and the materials, things like that. Um, but also because again, they they want to um, or need to more clearly delineate the property to be insured in the mobile home situation. If I insure a homeowner's, I know I've got a dwelling. I know I've probably got some other detached structures. I've got personal property. I've got additional living expense. So I can I can create a kind of generic homeowner's policy. When I have a mobile home, I'm going to get into those other issues of, okay, well, where is the garage? Is there a garage? Is it attached? Is it detached? It actually can be attached. Uh, if you went through a manufactured home neighborhood, you would see that many of those garages, also manufactured, by the way, but the home is manufactured with a garage which is attached to it and just built all on site. So it's, it's so many um, variabilities when you get into that. A particular situation, I, there's just more underwriting questions that need to be asked. But yeah, absolutely, homeowners can be modified. I think the reason that originally all mobile homes were insured in specialty carriers was because they did remain mobile. They were of various um, kind and quality in those early days before the federal regulations and all of that. But as, as the manufactured housing industry has, has grown and changed and evolved, uh, I think you've seen a lot of homeowners carriers who said, hey, you know, I'm as comfortable with that as I am with a light-built home. I'll use a homeowner's policy and I will create endorsements to modify it. Very typical in personal lines. <clears throat> on a larger farm, as you say, 
No, <laughs> that's <laughs> not typically how we're going to insure those. We're going we're going to do one of two things. We're either going to insure that farm property on a commercial property form. Nothing precludes us doing that, and we're going to treat those uh, manufactured units just as we would any other unit, any other structure on the property, or we're going to insure under a farm form, whether an ISO or AAS farm form, as you said, and uh, the farm policy certainly accommodates the other structures on the farm, which includes barns and other outbuildings. We can include those manufactured homes there. Um, again, when they're on the farm, just remember that, as you said earlier, uh, in many cases, they're being used to house farm workers. And so uh, essentially what you've got is a mobile bunkhouse. <laughs> and all of the attendant rules and regulations that go along with that, um, I don't think a personal lines uh, underwriter uh, is in any way uh, contemplating that in their in their forms or in their pricing structure. Right. Very, very good point. Very good point. Well, thank you for that. You know, I, I got a little bit of a, a curveball here that I'm going to throw you as as my last question because you you've been a trailblazer, uh, leading the way. Or one of our first APHIS instructor, first podcast guest. So I'm throwing you a curveball here. See what you have to say about it. What has been the most rewarding part of your career in insurance? Um, that's that's a great question. The most rewarding part, um, I, I have had the, uh, I don't want to say it's unique because a lot of other people have had it as well, but I've had the distinct pleasure to travel all over the country and uh, work with, consult with, talk with, present to literally tens of thousands of insurance people. And um, I take my pleasure from watching them grow. Um, have, I look back now on a, a very long career, some 45 years in the insurance industry, always on the agency side of the business. Um, and I, I have relationships that go back 45 years. I have, I have watched... Um, Many of my employees, when I was an agency owner, uh, walk across the stage and receive their CPCU designation. Um, I, I, I work with a number of people that I was their college risk management insurance professor uh, years ago. I taught 10 years um, at college. Uh, just, just watching those people love the industry as much as I have loved it is incredibly satisfying. Wow. No, that, that is absolutely awesome. You know, we at Ermi, you know, we appreciate your knowledge on, on this subject, all things farm and ag, and for you taking time to, uh, during COVID, right, we're, we're doing this all remotely so we can still make it happen because education is important. Um, we want lots of people to have a rewarding career. And so I, I want to tell our subscribers that they can go to, you know, ermi.com for the latest information on the proper coverage for mobile home. There's, there's tons more information in the, in our manual. 
Uh, you'll love it. If, if this sparked any questions for you, uh, that's the place to go. I also want to let our listeners know we've opened registration for uh, our one and only virtual ERMI AgriCon conference this year. So please go to ERMI.com to register um, and claim your early bird discount for the AgriCon conference. It will be great. We have a we are planning a fantastic conference for you all. And I want to thank you, Cheryl, for this in insight. Um, um, I'm, I know the listeners uh, and hope the listeners enjoyed it as much as I did. Well, you're very, very welcome. Always happy to talk about all things ag. <laughs> Thanks, Cheryl. Hey, thanks for listening. Go to ermy.com for more information and be sure to subscribe there to Ermy Podcast for more talks like this and to be notified when a new episode is released.